It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get in rolling right after this from our partners. JJ's Excavating and Tree Services can help you with many homeowner items including skid steer work, footings, and gravel work along with property maintenance. JJ's Excavating and Tree Service also experts in tree removals including stump grinding. Fully insured, no job too big or too small. Call Kyle Jones of JJ's at 989-277-9059 to set up a free estimate and tell him Three Point Podcast sent you. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to episode 185 of the Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted Fatel of Z92.5 in Sportsnet, Michigan, with ESPN's Matt Burns on the phone from North Carolina, and here in studio, a rare appearance from Jared Fatel of Valley Sports Detroit. Well, Michigan and Michigan State, they both squeaked by in Big Ten action on Saturday. The Lions, the Lions, the Lions, oh my. <laughs> Hashtag since 57, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Our team includes Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Services, Kendall Drugs, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Well, let's catch up a little bit, fellas. I know we had a Hall of Fame weekend last weekend. Jared, you were part of yep. the Golf, golf scramble. scramble. Why don't yeah. you uh, give us your perspective on how that all worked out? So, as you guys know, I haven't been playing golf as much as I was at the start of the summer. Just one of those kind of one of those hard days on the course that made you want to hang it up for a couple months. But I, I had brought, many I, of those. By I, the way. I came back and I played in the outing, and one I just. Owasso Country Club, do I think it's worth the price of admission? No, but for being a course in Owasso, man, it's awesome. If you never if you're from the Shiawassee County area and you've never seen that course, it's it's, you don't expect what it is. You know, the back nine, it's so hilly and undulated and uh, they do a really good job, you know, keeping taking care of it for being in a Shiawassee County course. Uh, so that course is always a gem. I love playing it. Uh, but a lot of fun. I mean, it, it's it's cool going to these sort of events when you realize that, you know, quote unquote tradition never graduates when you just it's like 10 different generations of Corona athletes, former Corona graduates that all come to this thing. And it's weird that, you know, that everybody knows each other and it's cool. Uh, and that's why Corona is, you know, we might not have as good of a sports teams as, you know, a cast tech or a Martin Luther King or a Muskegon. But I tell you what, in terms of like camaraderie and closeness amongst uh, like generations and a program, football program centered around it, it's better than anything. Yeah. You, you answered my question. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask, was it more, people who graduated, you know, within like five or eight years, or did it, you know, people who graduated 30, 40 years ago. So that is cool to hear. Even if I know Jason Beldigo last week said some of the people coming back for the weekend, it was maybe their first time coming back since graduation or something. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's definitely cool they put that event together. Well, it was a great event for sure. The golf, was there any highlights? Anybody, uh, l- let's just say, a little out of control or having excessive fun uh, during the event? <laughs> not, not that I saw. I mean, it, we, we were just lucky that we didn't get ra- rained on. Yeah. I mean, the rain was sitting, waiting to come down just about all morning, and after about halfway through the round, the sun came out. So I was just glad to get in and out of that round without getting downpoured on. I, I think the winning team, there ended up being three teams that shot about 10 under, uh, and they had to basically go by handicaps to decide who won. But mm-hmm. – uh, uh, it's actually an Owasso. The best player on the winning team was actually an Owasso grad, uh, Jalen Weekly. So that's good. not good when when an Owasso Trojan comes in and basically wins the golf outing. That's never good. Well, he's a good golfer, but hey, he might have won the outing, but he was there supporting uh, the Corona yep, Hall of exactly. Fame. So that's all good, you know, in our area. That, that's good to see. You know, uh, great, great job by Jason Beldega and his staff putting this thing together and making it a really – a really cool thing, you know. You you have homecoming every year where people come back for that, but now you have another event, this Hall of Fame football game and Saturday get together with the golf outing and then the dinner Saturday night. It's just really really cool for our alma mater. And you know, uh, I was really tickled. I I, I thought all the uh, all the honorees well deserved for sure. But it was it was special to me to see this the '76 football team introduced mm-hmm. uh, in front of the crowd Friday night. The game we did that uh, Corona came up just on the short end, tough loss for the Cavaliers. But highlight for me was seeing your man. You call him Pistol Pete. Pete Harness was there, and uh, he had some sweet looking sneakers on, man. Yeah, that seemed to be the talk of the town of the Hall of Fame scramble the next day was these gold shoes he was wearing. Uh, <laughs> it's great to be gold. <laughs> that's what I, I mean, that's exactly what I was talking about last week is, you know, when he walks in a room, everybody's eyes are on that guy. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a celebrity around here, and he's as interesting as they come, and he's as entertaining as they come. Just, just an interesting guy and a great guy that I love talking to every time I run into him. Yeah, I missed him. I missed talking to him. I could only go to the uh, pregame get-together at the cafeteria before the game Friday night. I, I got a chance to talk to quite a few of the guys on the team, including uh, George Ackerman and Kerry Cooper and Jody Lamerell. But uh, it, it was good to see the boys again, and I, I'll tell you what, it's it, it does kind of warm your heart being a Corona mm-hmm. Cavalier when, when you see guys that you know are really good, but, I mean, they're just deeply honored. To, right. to get in the Hall of Fame, and greatly appreciative. And that was neat to see them getting their accolades. Also, I got to tell you guys something here since we're playing catch-up. wasn't even going to be a topic of conversation, but I don't know if you've ever run into a situation like a, like a road rage thing where, you know, somebody just goes completely off on you, you know, when you maybe accidentally cut them off or something, right? Yeah. We've all probably been in those situations. I had a new one today. I uh, I took my dad to uh, the doctor, had a doctor's appointment today, and we went out to lunch at uh, a local restaurant. I won't say the name, but uh, so we get done. We, we go back out in the handicapped parking area, and I got him in the car, and then I got into my side, the driver's side, and, you know, the, the car was next to me pretty close. I opened up my door accidentally, gently, ding the door right well my goodness the guy that was sitting in the driver's seat both his windows were down he didn't say hey man watch it he said f you go to hell and just completely ripped me Uh, this dude was like 72 years old i mean it just caught me (laughs) off guard (laughs) and you well so first off how hard is it to not have it? You, you notice this guy sitting in the car right next to you. If I saw that, I would be on hyper alert. No, not I, to. I did not notice him. I didn't notice <laughs> him until all of a sudden he's yelling at me. Oh. 
uh, that's what I was going to say. What Jared was saying, like, okay, so if you didn't notice him, that's one thing. But yeah, if you're if a, if a car's parked close to you and you notice that person is in their car, you're like squeezing in like you're gumby yeah. or something. Oh yeah, trying to make sure you're not hitting that door. It's it's funny though that he snapped on you like that. Old man still has some has some fire in those bones. Oh, my dad would be witness to it. Let me tell you, this guy not only jumped me and called me every name in the book. He was flipping me off, <laughs> and and I I mean I'm flabbergasted. I you know I first of all I said, hey man, I'm really sorry, and then he just wouldn't let up, you know, and it finally. The, the temper in me came out, so I was right back in his face. I almost got out of the car to call him out because, like I said, he's 72. I think I could have taken him. But uh, <laughs> did you – now, when you left this parking lot, did you feel like – were you – were you did you feel good about what had transpired? Like, were you no. – did you wish you would have maybe just let him let him go off and you just roll your window up and back out no no not at all it, it was completely you know it was completely unacceptable i mean it really was guys i mean i didn't feel upset or anything i mean when i backed out i said to my dad i mean, said i go well that was different <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time your dad's just kind of sitting there soaking it in oh yeah he, he soaked it in and believe me we have kind of similar temperaments it takes a lot to get you worked up but i've seen him worked up before so <laughs> him and i had a little uh father-son moment there where we both kind of nodded at each other and said yep that's what happened what type sometimes. of car did this guy have was this like a mustang or something no, or what, no. What he had like a it was like a 10 year old uh you know chevrolet i mean it wasn't a perfect pristine car that's the other <laughs> thing and i'm not joking i just barely barely tapped it, it was, and I, I even had to say to him at one point hey dude get out take a look there's no damage <laughs> It's just strange, just strange. That was my highlight of the day, I guess. The weekend, you know, <laughs> any other question you were going to have there, Matt? <laughs> no, I was going to say, you just never know anymore. Like, I, my, my wife sometimes gives me grief because I, I definitely, like, if, if I'm at a stoplight, you know, you got those people that, like, immediately, immediately when the light turns green, mm-hmm. they're laying on their horn. Right, yeah. And, and I'm just, I, if someone does that to me, I just pull away. Nice and slow. <laughs> Ease away. Nice yeah. and slow. And because I'm like, what? What is your rush? I like. I literally just took my foot off the or the brake. And my wife always just go. She's like, just go. You don't know who that is back there. <laughs> and she does have a point because yeah. I don't know if it was this like this back in the 50s or 60s, Ted. But like nowadays, you literally don't know who that is. They got a gun under their seat. They're having a bad day. They're gonna snap on you for dinging their door a little bit. Like, oh yeah. It is probably better sometimes just to let like cooler heads prevail, but not if the dude's calling out like that. I guess. Yeah, that's it, good. Good advice, but yeah, I I couldn't let it go. That's why I I almost like I almost say I, I don't want to go back to like going back to the bars, but whenever I you would go out in college and you would run into a guy like this every night without yeah. at least I did I, maybe unprovoked I, right it it, it it always was and maybe it's just because I was like a small guy I, maybe people just like circled me didn't like how you look it was like it, it was always something dumb like there was times where I had no I got all of a sudden I'm getting like pushed up against a wall and I don't even have any idea what the heck is going on right now. Like, it's just weird yep. that, and alcohol just makes it 10 times oh, worse, yeah. but I've never ran into that situation without alcohol involved, and it sounds like it's almost a matter of time before I do. I think society, because of COVID and because of politics, I really think this phase of life we're in right now, there's a lot of angry people out there and a <laughs> lot of short nerves, and I think it's that proved it today. <laughs> I, was, I should have asked the hey. guy who he voted for. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's scary. That somebody just imagine being that tightly wound. I know. Where <laughs> at any given moment, if somebody nicks your car, you are going to lose your mind. And that, it's it was, scary to it, think about. And the thing was, guys. I mean, it was immediate. There was no buildup to it at all. He just immediately he wanted to unload lost on his somebody. Mind. He saw you as prey and said, yeah, I, I want to unload on this guy. I hope he dings my I see car. his bodyguards, a 90-year-old guy in the other seat there. <laughs> he, he probably had just he just logged on Facebook and saw some a couple memes that really like pissed him off. And then you dinged his door, and it was all over. Though. Uh, it was crazy. That Well, that's my story. I mean, the weekend was pretty good. A lot of football. We'll talk about that. Uh one bad thing here, you'll you'll appreciate this, I guess, Matt. Just think about this. So my daughter had planned a big third birthday party for Parker, her daughter Parker, my granddaughter, and uh, it was she had a nice event planned at a park with uh, you know all the bells and whistles that go with a three year old's birthday party. The grandparents were all coming, and it was supposed to be two o'clock on Sunday, eight thirty. I get a text: party's canceled. Parker woke up vomiting, <laughs> so oh. so the poor girl yeah. she and she missed out on her her second party last year because of COVID. So what, what cracks me up is uh, is I know you were probably bummed as all could be that this got canceled. The 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 big events you have on your calendar are <laughs> Michigan football, uh, your high school football Friday nights, Michigan State football, uh, Chi Town when they play, yep. and anything with the the granddaughters. Pretty so, much. So you probably were. Probably in a slump all all Sunday, let alone when the Lions game started. Pretty pretty much my life right now. You're right on. <laughs> I mean that that sounds pretty great to be honest with you. It sounds like it almost sounds like you're already into retired life a little bit. But getting you know, close. Whenever you got that big big party planned for a kid or whatever, and you know they're just. I mean, she's not in school yet, but I'm thinking of like school age kids telling their friends. Yep. And they're inviting their friends. They're so excited, looking forward to it all week. And then, yeah, something like that. I thought you were going to say weather. I thought you were going to say it got rained out. But no. even worse, if she got sick like that. So, yeah, yeah that's just a big letdown. But she'll have plenty more. Right? Oh, she, oh, she will. And I, I, I really think the big letdown wasn't so much for Parker because we still went down there and she was able to get her presents and, you know, kind of muddy through it even though she wasn't feeling well. But the big letdown was for her mother, poor Jessica, who put so much time and effort into planning the party, and then all of a sudden it just crashes. Did you guys ever have any um... – like favorite birthday parties when you were growing up, uh, when you were a kid. I remember, uh, and this is like I, this really can't be beaten. I'm sorry, so it's bad that I'm going first. But uh, I mean, my da- the fact that my dad was the high school principal, it, we obviously had access to the school whenever we wanted. So I remember one year, probably me and like 20 of my friends. I don't know if you've ever been in gym class where you played like dodgeball and like it's only like a 40 minute gym class. You just want to keep playing all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was so awesome about this is we basically got to the gym at like seven just threw the dodgeballs out and just were playing dodgeball for basically the next like five hours until midnight had pizza there. And it was just so much fun. Like I just, I think about that all the time. Like I would, that would be fun if I did that nowadays, let alone when I was like 10 years old in in middle school. No, that would be fun. Yeah. Dodgeball. Like, yeah. When you're that age, you can do that for hours. You're just like pouring sweat. That would be a lot of fun. I don't know. Like the one that always, I I did the ones like a couple at a Wasso skating rink. Yep. Um, I think I did one or two at Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, you know, I did like some of those classic ones like that. But right. the one that always comes to mind, like if someone says your favorite birthday party, my birthday's in December. So, you know, sometimes it's kind of hit or miss on what the weather is like. But I had, uh, I think it was fifth grade. Yeah, it was fifth grade. I just had like, I mean, as a kid, it seemed like I had 50 friends over. It was yeah. probably, you know, 15 or something like that. But we just played backyard football. Basically what you, you just did, like in the gym, five hours of dodgeball. 
we did that in my parents' backyard, just played backyard football for like four or five hours, ate a bunch of pizza, went back yep. out, kept playing football, and that was just that was an awesome birthday party. Yeah, mine doesn't even compare to either one of those, but, but my most memorable one was I was 10 years old. You got to remember that's back in 1966, yeah. and that was back in the days of the original Batman on television. And I was a huge Batman fan of that show, and I had a Batman-themed birthday party where all the neighborhood kids came over. You know, they brought their presents. I think all of them were kind of Batman-related, and you know, I had a had a Cape Crusader cake and ice cream. I mean, it was that's the one memorable birthday that stands out to me. And you know, my birthday is in July, so it was outdoors on the picnic table. It was it was just a great time, but it doesn't compare to dodgeball. No, but <laughs> hey, I mean, sometimes I mean, sometimes those gifts are just like perfect when yeah. they when it's really what you want. I mean, I've a- been there. So, amen. Well, that's all I got, boys. Anything else we got to get on the table before we move on to the real talk of, of football? No, I think I mean it's kind of hard to top almost getting in a street ball brawl in Greg and Lou's parking lot. So I think you got to took the tape, took the uh, cake this week. All right, I survived you it. That you would have been all over the Argus Press, ABC Twelve News, and you would have been all over that. Oh yeah, you know, you know what happens if I'm if I'm in a plane crash? Z ninety two five personality Ted Fatel, or I would have been right. on the front page of the Argus. No. <laughs> Just be thankful that there wasn't some uh, teenage kid around because you one hundred percent are on Twitter later that. Night, oh, if there was. Yeah. oh yeah oh i better look for that <laughs> old guys getting and, and speaking of that i did see i mean and we're kind of getting off on a tangent here but you're jared you're talking about like you know going to the bar and just like all the, the stupid stuff that happens at a bar you know at late at night yeah i don't know if it's again like kind of what you're saying ted people are just on edge yeah i think it's probably more that everyone has a phone in their pocket so everything is getting recorded. But it seems like more and more we're seeing these videos of fans getting in fights oh, at yeah. sporting events. And whether it's in the stands or in the streets or at tailgates or whatever, I feel like it's almost every day, almost every like sporting event. There's a, one of these videos, and I saw one after the Lions game <laughs> uh, outside the stadium, these two dudes getting in a fight, Lions fans. I don't know, so I don't know what they got mad about. But they were. One of them was like 75. One of them <laughs> was probably Lord. 55 or something. They're just rolling around on the ground, punching each other. And I'm like, God, what, what is it? But then there's – but then what, maybe I'm starting to become a dad, or I am a dad, but, you know, maybe this is showing my age. The thing that annoys me most is there's 15 people recording it on their phone, not breaking it up. Yeah. Like, Come on. Like, what are you doing? It, You're trying to get famous by posting the video, but – Go break it up. Just don't let these dudes make themselves look like idiots. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, if I was standing there, like, and these two random drunk jackasses just start brawling over the Lions game, like, I'm not going to be there, you know, going right into the heart of this melee over just the dumbest fight that you'll ever see. I, I just... Well, it's I, key what you said, random. I mean, but if they're friends or you're, if right. you went to the game with them, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you break it up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I agreed. It's it is weird. Like what? Is, I don't know if it's because we they people are just bottled up over COVID and they're finally back in the stands and they're a little know. bit wilder than normal. But or like you said, Matt, where it's just the fact that everybody has a phone now. It is like every game has one of these brawls break out, yeah. and I just it's not like there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's like 
people that are both Lions fans, people that are opposite fans, uh, you know, people that aren't even fans of either team. It, it, but the thing that always cracks me up about these videos is always the guy who has the high ground, just unloading on the guy that's below him. Because yeah. when you think about it, when you're, there's no way to fight somebody that's like one or two rows above you. I mean, they're like a foot taller than you just because they're above you. It's, they're just going to unload on you every time. Oh, I've seen a couple, though, where they've actually got them down to their yeah. level and then <laughs> that's the key. got gotta, their ass kicked. you got to grab them and drag them down. <laughs> then you got a shot. That's right. All right. Well, we'll get into some football talk here next on the podcast. But first, take a listen to this. Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Kendall Drugs in Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona, or give them a call at 989-720-4295. All right, guys, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, both picked up wins, and uh, let's get our thoughts out. I'll, I'll just say, heading oh, into this weekend, I, I was glad. If you would have told me that both Michigan and Michigan, and I know it's surprising for a lot of people that listen to this pod, me rooting for Michigan State, but I want to see a hyped-up Michigan-Michigan State game. In order for that to happen, we have to get through these weeks of potential upsets. And if you would have told me heading into this week that both teams were going to win, I would have said, all right, I love it. I, I'm glad that they just got through these games alive because both of them were sort of trap games. Nebraska is not as bad as their record shows. Uh, they got a lot of talent there, and the coach is not a complete idiot. There's a reason that he turned UCF around the way he did. They just have had a couple bad breaks with trying to restart that program. And Rutgers, people, I mean, people g- grab onto the Rutgers name as what they were three or four years ago. Whenever Shiano is the coach there, they are immediately like a top 25 team. I don't know. <laughs> that guy, he deserves so much credit for what he does in that program. Every time he goes there, he just turns them right around. Uh, and so I'm just glad that both those teams got out of there with a win, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Shiano's a very good coach, and, I mean, you, you laid it out perfectly. He he turned that program around. I mean, are they going to win the Big Ten? No, but they're they're not the Rutgers that Michigan beat 78-0. to And, I mean, they they get a lot with this transfer portal. They've got a couple former Michigan players. I think a couple Ohio State players trans- yeah. transferred there. So they've got some legitimate talent, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I mean, I, I think I tweeted it out, but, like, if you told fans Michigan and Michigan State, at the beginning of the season, that at this point, both teams would be 4-0. I think most fans would be super excited. But I, I think most Michigan State fans probably are on that side, especially after escaping that win over Nebraska. But it seems like Michigan fans are almost the other way. It's just funny, Michigan fans, how they are. Like, if, if they would have, like, beat up on Rutgers, it still would have been, like, you know, cautiously optimistic. You, you got to win. I mean, yes, the second half wasn't pretty for Michigan's offense specifically. It definitely wasn't that pretty. No. You still got a win over a solid Rutgers team. You're 4-0 heading into Wisconsin. I mean, it's kind of like they, I, you could look at it as, like, maybe this is the game they needed. Like, after three games, people were starting to hype them up a lot. Like, best run game in, in the Big Ten or, you know, whatever else everyone was saying. Maybe this was like the, all right, cool, we're going to have to figure some other stuff out because – 
won't be able to do that against Wisconsin. So it's just funny to see everyone's different reactions. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely overreactions, but uh, there, there's got to be a little bit of cause con- of, for concern for oh, yeah. Cade McNamara. I mean, you've talked about it early on, Jared. I mean, this was the chance for him, you know, to show what he could do. Rutgers was stopping the run there in the second half, and I don't know if it's because he got hit and was shaken up, but there were throws that – you got to make if yeah. you're going to beat the big boys that he wasn't making, and it, it's got to be a little concerning. No, it, it is. I mean, what do we have? Four straight three and outs to start the second half. Just horrible. I don't know. I still can't believe that our defense stood on the head, stood on their head the way they did at the end of that game. Yeah. I thought for sure that that was a loss, just waiting to happen. And the thing that was most disappointing about the whole game, I guess, is that Michigan, the best we've been in a few years. Uh, I saw the picture. It was basically like middle of the fourth quarter, like half the crowd is gone. Yeah. It's like, where do they go? Yeah. What are you – It's. I get it. Ridiculous. I guess if you're a student maybe, and this was like a blowout, like 100%. There shouldn't be a single person left in the stand for Northern Illinois when you're up by 60. But right. two undefeated Big Ten teams in fourth quarter, beautiful weather. Uh, like where the heck are you going in a close game? I don't understand that. But no, 100%. This is the way I'm looking at it, kind of a positive way to look at it. What's the point of me getting upset about it now in a win mm-hmm. when it's just I'm I'm going to be upset down the road. I mean, we know that we <laughs> save we, it we up. See, yeah, I might as why get upset now when I can have another week of happiness, you right. know? Like Matt said at the, the the glass half full, I'm glad they're 4 and 0, but they do seem to have like some glaring issues that we have seen glimpses of this entire year and it's like it seems like each week we see another layer of that like un, unwrapped and it does not look good. We can't throw the ball. And I know Jim Harbaugh has like kind of the the stance where Cade McNamara played great and he says that every single week it seems like but I don't know maybe we're all just idiots watching this game but four straight three and outs we know you guys have one hell of a running game so what's the problem it just doesn't make sense yeah to me. It, the, the biggest thing to me is like I, and I, people have been talking about it basically ever since Josh Gaddis has been hired is the play calling because we know they they were like the best run running uh, offense in the Big Ten coming into this game so obviously they're they're proven there but like they, the only time they ran outside the tackle was in that fourth quarter. Blake Corum finally like ran one around on the ed- around the edge for like 15 yards or whatever, and then it was back to up the middle, up the middle, up the middle. And even if you think like you've got the best offensive line in the country, like at some point you got to switch it up. And then yeah. I'm not on the coaching staff, so I know like we're sitting here, we're we're like the the couch potato Monday morning quarterback type guys, but. I don't know. Like, you, I feel like you got to switch up the play calling because it felt like they didn't run outside the tackles except for that one play that did actually gain some yards. And you know, as far as McNamara, like, the first, it was like a tale of two halves because the first half, I think he he had like 180 yards passing in the first half, and they were hitting slants. He hit a couple big throws, and they they had some some great passing plays, like to the point where it was like, okay, this this offense is actually showing something. They're mixing things up. This is a, a pretty good looking offense. And then he took that hit, like you said, Ted, that, that targeting call against Rutgers. Right. And after that targeting call, he was one for six for seven yards. With happy and, feet. He had happy feet. Yeah, like did he – right, did he have happy feet, like you said? I, I hope he wasn't, like, injured or something and he was out there playing. But, you know, are, is it the receivers? Are the receivers not, like, running clean routes for him? Right. Yeah, good question. I don't question. know. I mean, Jared, you played quarterback, and we've all, we've all watched a ton of football. I mean, he's back there. He, like you said, happy feet, and he, like, packs the ball a lot before he throws. Like, it's like he's, like, he's got one read, and he pats the ball, pats the ball, pats yep. the ball, tries to make the throw. And I don't know. To me, like, to, to kind of close what I'm trying to say, to me, like, I w- if, if he's kind of lacking a little bit of confidence or I don't know what it is, I would just make things simple. 
I mean, I, I look back to, like, I don't know, like, when, when I played. I know it was high school, but whatever. But, like, we had our bread and butter pass plays, like hitches, comebacks, square outs, like these things that, like, people couldn't stop. Like, you go to the well with it until someone stops it. Yeah. And it seems like Michigan, like, they, they do one cool play that worked, and then they're like, okay, cool, that worked. We don't need to do that the rest of the game. So I, I just I don't understand all that. I mean, if we remember, Gaddis was the the spread guy when he came in, right? And it's this team is doesn't run, we don't we don't run the spread. This team is now built for the spread. We don't have the wide receivers anymore with Ronnie Bell out. We have a stud running back, and we have a good offensive line and a game manager at quarterback. So, Gaddis is obviously like coaching something that he's pretty much never done before. But I'm pretty much out on the guy. I mean, we we've been kind of feeling him out the last two years. It seems like he has these games where it's just like you just question what the hell he's doing and. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I just I think I'm ready to see somebody else. If Harbaugh is still the coach after this year, I'm ready. To, I, I've gotten the Gaddis experience. I'm ready for it to be over with. You see it where, and what's funny is every first drive of every game when they have the play scripted out, we march right down the field, mm-hmm. and, and it's like it's like in, inventive play calling. You know, the end arounds, the play action bootlegs, all that sort of stuff. The the off the edge rushes, and then as soon as it's Gaddis, you know, having to make a couple adjustments to Rutgers just t- basically saying, we are not letting you run the ball. You have to throw it. And he, we just have no answer. Uh, he just not very good at making adjustments. That's me from the outside looking in. Like you said, Matt, the arm, armchair quarterback or whatever. But I don't know. It seems pretty obvious when you just – you can't even pick up a first down. I feel like I could be calling Blake Corum off the edge three times in a row and get at least one first down in five tries. They went, f- like, what, four or five straight three and outs. Yeah, and even if you're running the ball successfully up the middle and they start stopping it, then you got to do at least – some first down play actions, you Something. know, you, you, you got to loosen it up a little bit, but I'm not completely out on Gaddis like you, but time will tell. What we'll, more do you need to see? I mean, we'll see. Time, time will tell immediately on, on Saturday because yep. Wisconsin, the number one rush defense, I think in the big 10, I don't think it's in the country, but the, anyway, they're a very good rush defense. So if we saw what Rutgers did against Michigan, I mean, we're going to see more of that for sure. Saturday. So, I mean, I don't know, like, are we, are we getting close? I know Jared, you've talked about JJ McCarthy. Like, are, is, is McNamara on a quick hook? If after the first or second quarter it's kind of looking the same, are you going to McCarthy? Or, it, you know, is, is it McNamara's team, you know, basically I, going forward? I've said that I would not hate seeing Ma- Ma- McCarthy out there. I, and actually, kind of ironically, one of my friends acted like he had, like, an inside scoop. Like, yeah, they're considering going to J.J. McCarthy in the second half. Or, it's like, what? They're up by, like, 17 right now. Right. And J.J. McCarthy's looking good. Or, uh, excuse me, McNamara's looking good. But... No, I think you do. You just need something to bring some jolt, especially like in the second half of that Rutgers game. That offense, honestly, if this game, if that game never ended, they probably would still be doing three and outs. To do, like they, they had nothing. There was nothing that they could do to get out of that hole. To do that, it, would it have been better to maybe run uh, like San Francisco has been doing with their two quarterback system and the, have McCarthy at least have had some no, action? I think the two quarterback system that doesn't is, work. Is idiotic. So you don't I've think you don't think you get him some playing time early on in early games before. Before you make that move to pull, because well, that's once, you pull, once you pull McNamara, his confidence is that's shot. That's the thing is, until McNamara has just totally implodes with a couple like bad interceptions or something like that, right. I don't think you can pull the trigger on him. Right. Especially if Harbaugh is saying every week how this guy is doing a great job and he's doing everything he needs to do. Uh, like I said, I think more of the problem is Gaddis. I mean, yeah. McNamara missed a couple of open guys, uh, back-to-back throws, if I remember right, uh, like in the start, this very start of the fourth quarter. But yes. for the most part, I just felt like it was uninspired play calling. And with a guy like McNamara, who's a game manager, you have to lay it out perfectly for him. That's, uh, that's pretty and, fair and statement. It's just, and it's just you can't expect the world from this guy. He's not expecting the world from himself. Nobody is. But you just got to put him in positions to succeed, and they just didn't do that at all. Yeah, no, that's – 
that's kind of what I was saying. Put them in position to succeed. They, it doesn't seem like they, well, their bread and butter is running up the middle. Apparently that's their bread and butter. <laughs> but like a pass play that every single time you call this, you know you're going to get at least like five to six yards. A quick slant. Or, you know, like make these things easy on them. I don't know, Jared, if you had like, if you guys had plays that you were like, when it was called, you knew it was going to be yards. Like when yeah. we, there were certain plays that we called, you know, when I was at Corona, that we knew every time we called it, we were going to get yards on it. It doesn't seem like Michigan has that. So oh. it kind of like what you said, like make it easy on the kid. Bubble right. screen, easiest, it, and that was something we do almost every time I would throw a pick or something like that. We'd come out throw an easy bubble screen, yeah. just something like that to get to see a completion, to get your kind of wits back about you. And, but it seems like Michigan just does the opposite of that, where Magnamere is expected to throw these like seventeen yard post routes and and like deep ends. That's like, just, not as simple. Strength. Yeah, simple, simplify it. Yeah, and go to the tight end a little more too. That's a nice, easy, yeah, safe stuff like pass. That. Like, yeah, I mean, even I don't even. They, you know, Michigan used to be a strong, like, running back screen team. It doesn't even seem like – I mean, Corum can catch the ball out of the backfield. It doesn't seem like they do that stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, it's frustrating, but they're 4-0. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's the bottom line. We, we can't be happy with that. I'm happy enough with that. We'll see on a Saturday what happens at Camp Randall. Well, speaking of last Saturday, Michigan State, an impressive 23-20 win. I mean, I say impressive because it's a win, and they figured out how to get it done. Yep. Uh, Nebraska gave them everything they, they needed, but thank goodness for Jaden Reed's punt return. That really saved the day. Those guys, I tell you, the two guys that I am circling that scare the hell out of me are Speedy Naylor, J- Jalen Naylor, yep. and Jaden Reed. Right. I, I, just, you, I see them having big games. I don't know why. Me, like, rubbing on my crystal ball for the Michigan-Michigan State game, I, I'm i circling both their names. They are big-time playmakers. They got serious wheels. Uh, and there are a couple of guys that, honestly, since Ronnie Bell's been out, that I don't know if Michigan has those type of guys on the perimeter like Michigan State does. But an ugly game, I mean, I, we also, I think we all sort of had an inkling that Nebraska was going to be kind of a tough out. They always are right. for Michigan State. Even in the college football playoff year, that was the one loss Michigan State had was against Nebraska at home. Uh, so we just knew that they were going to give them their best shot, but just surviving with it, a win. And, and it's funny, you see the spin zones where uh, middle of the game when Nebraska was looking like Nebraska was going to win that game, it, people were saying, like, oh, like, well, Mel Tucker's way ahead in the rebuild. This is way further than we ever thought we'd be, this, that. And then <laughs> that was during as, the game. <laughs> as soon as they win, as soon as they win, it's back to, oh, this team is, we're ready. We're, we're, coming, we're going for the Big Ten right now. So, yeah, the, the beat writers and, you know, the beat writers on Twitter were having to rewrite everything that they were doing because, yeah, definitely people were. We're out. Nebraska owns us. We can't beat Nebraska. Why can we not figure out Nebraska? Ten minutes later, it's Matt Coughlin is a hero. Oh, my God, best yeah. kicker in Michigan State history and stuff like that. So, I mean, Michigan State, we've, we've said it before the last few weeks, I, Tucker's doing an awesome job with them. And I think you, you said it already. Nebraska's not as bad this year as their record says. And I actually just saw that when Michigan plays Nebraska at Nebraska. It's a night game. Ooh, and I think that's one to, that's one to circle because – you, you know that Scott Frost wants to beat the hell out of Jim Harbaugh. So, I mean, that, that, that's I don't know if you can even call it a trap game. That's just going to be a tough game for Michigan. But anyway, like, yeah, Michigan State, they always fight. Like, I, like I, I think I said it last week or the week before, they're always that chip on our shoulder. They're they're going to fight until the end. And, I mean, yeah, Nebraska kind of blew a couple calls. I mean, a couple plays. And oh, yeah. That punt return was just, like, kind of crazy, the coverage. But, yeah. And credit to Michigan State. They're 4-0, and they're playing well. Yeah. Well, what happened, uh, Scott, and if, I don't know if you guys saw the Scott Frost comments after he basically was just blasting the entire team. Yeah. But basically yeah. what happened on that punt return was the punter was supposed to punt it the opposite direction of the which way it went, and so the entire coverage team 
was going that direction, and then he just totally shanked it the other way, and a lot of them didn't realize that it went that way. And so Reed just had, like, a basically a wide-open return yeah. and just housed it. Yeah. But I, uh, both teams, in my opinion, Michigan and Michigan State, showed a lot of weaknesses where if you're a fan of either of them, you're just being dishonest with yourself if you don't see, like, kind of – the 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 tea leaves of what's about to come in the next few weeks. I don't know. I don't know if it'll show against Wisconsin for Michigan. I don't know if it'll show uh, before the Michigan game for Michigan State. But I don't know. It's just I'm a little bit apprehensive about both teams now. I definitely feel a lot worse about each team than I did heading into the week. That's for sure. And they both had some offensive question marks that they got to clear up. I mean, Michigan State didn't have a first down in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, think no. about that. No first downs. That's it was they were, the games were very similar to each other. They were kind of in how each team dominated the first half, and then after they just kind of got figured out. And Peyton Thorne, similar boat as McNamara, you know, he's not going to win you the game. He's basically a game manager, yep. and and if each of these teams, if their running game gets shut down, they're in a lot of trouble. So you just got to hope that that doesn't happen against some of these big boys. Uh, well, you and, called it. I mean, you called it perfectly. Both these teams are pretty damn similar. Yeah, they really. Are. They really. That's what's going to make it a very fun. Um, I think it's going to be. If you remember, what was it? Three, four years ago, Peoples Jones had the big touchdown catch. That's why Naylor and Reed they're game breakers, yeah. and that's what scares me because it's going to be a punch them, drag them out game between these two. And if they get free once, uh, it's just going to break the game open. And I could see it being like a fourteen-seven type game. Well, it's funny we keep talking about looking in the crystal ball for Michigan, Michigan State, but they, they both have games Saturday. This game against Wisconsin is going to tell us everything we need to know about Michigan. on the ro- It's our first road game, yeah, right? And uh, it, and it's going to be an angry Wisconsin team because they got embarrassed in that second half to Notre Dame. And uh, Spartans, I mean, you know, they should cruise pretty easily to 5-0 and with Western Kentucky at home Saturday night yeah. at the woodshed. And by the way, what do you guys think about all of a sudden coming up with the woodshed? Well, there there is a story behind that. I know. You must not have seen it. I no, I know there is. I don't know Michigan State history necessarily like I know Michigan, but I, I think a coach like back in the 70s or 80s right. actually like coined, coined the term the woodshed. And then, yeah, Tucker's, I guess, kind of bringing it back. Maybe because I'm a Michigan fan, I think it's kind of lame. I mean, I don't know, like – it actually sounds kind of creepy, like you're taking taking teams out to the woodshed. Yeah. I get what you're trying them. to do, but eh, I'm not for it. But yeah. I can see why Michigan State fans would like it. Yeah, it's funny because at the end of the day, it's all about recruiting. I think that that's why he does it, and it's it's stupid, and it, you think it doesn't matter, but right, kids rally behind that that sort of thing. And if it keep if it keeps kids in the stands a little bit longer, I mean, we saw that problem with Michigan where they can't keep people in the stands apparently in a close Big Ten und- battle of the unbeaten's. So if calling the fa- the stadium the woodshed and whatever you want to call the fans inside of it makes a few extra people stay, then why not? I don't care. I'll go for that. I mean, and you're right again. One final comment on the Michigan fans and the whole culture down there going to the games it's just ridiculous because they could have such such a major home field advantage if they had you know real crazy diehard fans just screaming at every moment the, the thought that came to my mind who did ohio state lose to this year uh oregon oregon, oregon. late in that game you know the, the the Buckeye fans were just on fire trying to get their team back yeah. into the game, and you just when the Wolverines get down or have a couple bad series, it's just like crickets in that place. Yeah, they start booing. Yeah, they, they start the, they booing. boo every like every time something bad happens. They're booing. Right. First off, booing is pretty hilarious, but. <laughs> <laughs> when you're winning a game and you're you know you have a three and out a couple three and outs in a row like what is booing all that does is actually hurt your team exactly. it, it doesn't help and 
people always you'll see like when uh whenever there's like a top fan experiences top stadium experiences michigan fans will, will like be like where's the big house on this list they don't you belong. wonder why you're not on the list is because of shit like that where one week at like washington it's the it's the best atmosphere in college football the next week it's it's half filled yeah it, it's a joke amen yeah, it, it, right it, it has all the potential it is obviously the big house so it is still like a great spectacle to go to but right like when you see it like that and i was thinking that during the second half it was quiet. It was. And like you said, Ted, it was crickets. I mean, Michigan, the defense was, you said it too, Jerry, standing on their head. The defense played great. But it was quiet. And I'm just sitting there like, man, where are y'all at? Like, I know I'm sitting here down in North Carolina, so I can't really say much. I don't have tickets to the game. But it's like, man, I, I can't imagine being a student. And I, I get it. You know, you're a student. Maybe you check out. You're ready to go to the bar or something. But I can't imagine leaving a game. I would never leave a game early. I don't get that. Nope. And I'll tell you what, completely different atmosphere in that Detroit Lions game coming down the stretch when their <laughs> defense was pinning their helmets back. The crowd was as loud as you're ever going to hear. And unfortunately, we got to talk about the Lions next, right after this. <laughs> Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. I'll, I'll, I just to kind of tie off the last segment as we go into this next one. Yeah, I've never understood, Matt, why people leave. You pay 100 150 bucks for these tickets. All right, student section, maybe that's because you just get in for free or whatever. But everybody else who's paying these high-ticket premiums, like what is the point of doing that just to leave as soon as the game gets good? Right. I mean, if I'm in that stadium, I don't, obviously people expected Michigan to blow out Rutgers, but you find yourself in a dogfight in one hell of a game, like, just sit there and enjoy it. I mean, it's the atmosphere alone is enough to keep you coming back. I don't get it. Where are you going? But that's why that's why Lions fans, I mean, you'll yeah. see them leave a lot, but a lot of the times they kind of stay no matter what, and they still pack that stadium, even though this team has been as bad as they've been for as long as they've been. That's one thing you got to appreciate about Lions fans is, is they're always going to be there to support. Well, let's talk a little Lions football. I mean, they lost to the Ravens 19-7, to 17, 19-17. Uh, NFL record, of course, against the Lions, 66-yard field goal and there were a, a number of let's just say reasons they lost that game right I mean where do we want to start I mean are you pointing to the referee is the, that pro the delay of game well that that's one let's work let's work our way up to that okay, okay. all right the the Lions here's my thought process when I look at what they have going on they're down by two points right yep they're driving down they're the impressive drive Goff's playing well the offensive line's playing well they get down in the red zone and this just absolutely aggravates me when teams sit on the ball, play conservative, and and go for the field goal. That's number one complaint I have right there. They did get the field goal. They did go ahead by a point, but they also had an opportunity to score a touchdown, and that would make 
the Ravens have to score a touchdown to beat them. So that's number one. I think they should have been more aggressive there. You guys agree or disagree? 100% agree. I mean, here's the way I look at it, and I know that you guys are going to be totally dis- in disagreements, but, hey, we battled them tough. We showed some promise, showed some grit, and we lost. In my book, that's 100% a Lions victory. Well, that is what we are building for right now. <laughs> but I do agree with what you're saying. Like, the team should be a lot more aggressive at the end of the games. You see it a lot of times. I mean, you see it like the San Francisco 49ers just uh, last night's game. Uh, they were almost like too aggressive. Right. Where you you just you don't want to leave the team any time at all in the NFL game. It seems no. like every time you do, they are always going to march down and give a shot at a field goal. You want to drain that clock as much as you can, and you don't want to have it only be within a field goal. Right. Well, and then the number two thing on the same alliance. Okay, they kick off. The defense completely pins their ears back. The fans are going absolutely crazy. The the Lions. You know they what they they made them look at fourth down and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Ravens are out of timeouts, and what happens? The Lions call a defensive timeout. What the f were they thinking there? Isn't yeah, that? I don't I don't care if you don't have the right personnel in. You, you figure something out because yeah, you're giving the Ravens a chance to to figure things out themselves and set up a play. The place was yeah, going the Lions wild. Did it to themselves. Oh, they had absolutely all the momentum. The place is going wild. Ravens have no timeouts. They got to scramble to come up with some play. Yeah, and and then like you said, all of a sudden they get to reset. So that's number two. Number three, well, here's the Lions' defense coming up big when they really need to. What was it? Thir- fourth and nineteen, and they give up a thirty-four yard completion. <laughs> I mean, come uh, on. Hashtag, I hate to say it, but ha- hashtag Operation Tank. No, I'm with you. Doesn't that I'm seem a little bit no. <laughs> uh, fourth and nineteen, and just happens the thirty, the timeout, the sequence, the the delay of game that wasn't called. I'm telling you, it's there might be something in the works behind the scenes. Yeah, and I'm going to get to the delay of game next. I think Matt, you and I. Well, I know you were really taking a lot of offense with Lion fans blaming the loss on the clock, but realistically, I mean seriously. It was a, it was a key key factor in yeah. that game. I mean, I, I mean, I was screaming at the TV. They're out of time, and it was a solid two seconds it when it got to zero. I mean, how can we argue that? I mean, I, I, I wasn't taking offense. It just it makes me laugh at Lions fans who just constantly point their fingers at the ref, yeah, and never actually look look themselves in the mirror and say the Lions stink. The Lions organization is probably the worst in the NFL. Maybe the worst organization in all of sports, and for the last 60 years, we've been blaming the refs, blaming other people, blaming, you know, not looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, you put, you just laid it out. You just laid out the whole scenario. Yeah. I'm sitting back going like this, hands crossed, and I'm listening to you lay out all these things of the Lions doing it to themselves and putting the game in the hands of the refs. They yeah. shouldn't have been in that position. It's like people, I, I tweeted it out, but it's like people that, that are going to the same bar over and over, going to the same bar over and over, trying to pick up their boyfriend or girlfriend, and they're picking up the same dude, the same girl, over and over, and they keep getting cheated on, keep getting taken advantage of, keep getting let down, and they keep going back to the same bar, and they keep saying, like, man, there's no good girls out there. There's no good guys out there. Well, what are you doing differently? You're going to the same spot. That's not their fault. That's your fault. The same people who are unhealthy, overweight, they're fat, they're gross, they, you know, they, don't, they don't feel good. Because they're constantly eating fast food, constantly drinking soda, constantly eating chips, and they blame it on the fast food industry. They blame it on the food industry. And it's like, yes, that is true. The food industry does take some of the blame for like putting this food out there, but you're the one eating it. You're, you could take, change your habits. You could do something different and get yourself healthy, yep. but you're the one eating this shitty food. 
So why don't you look yourself in the mirror? And that's what I'm saying. Lions fans, over and over, it's the, it's the refs. It's the refs. It's the refs. And the Lions have been screwed over a number of times by the refs. I'll be the first to admit that. But they shouldn't have called a timeout when the, the Ravens were scrambling. They shouldn't have given up a fourth and 19. And then also, Lions fans act like had that delay a game been called, that it was a certainty that the Lions would have won, like Aaron Rodgers hadn't just hit a few years ago a Hail Mary to beat them, or Justin Tucker has the biggest leg in the league, he could have maybe hit a 71-yarder. So that's just the stuff that maybe I did take offense to it. Uh, <laughs> I just like look yourselves in the mirror, man. The Lions do it to themselves. You you laid it out good. I guess the I guess the only argument I would have on the clock situation. This isn't one of those deals where, you know, Calvin Johnson doesn't complete the completion or uh, a non-call pass interference like, against the Cowboys. The it was a blatant, yeah. blatant, blatant mix-up, and, and it was completely yeah. wrong. Shouldn't have been missed. Uh, I mean, it is weird. It, man, there's probably so much going on in the refs' minds, like right in a moment like that when the crowd's going absolutely nuts. But uh, it's just it's hard to believe that they didn't catch that, especially right. for how long it was sitting at. It wasn't like it hit zero and then a millisecond later they snapped it. No, it was like two solid seconds they were sitting there. And I was curious. I was curious. I guess because the the announcers got caught up in the excitement of this, you know, the NFL record field goal. They, the announcers weren't even talking about it. They, there, one of them. I don't know if it was the color guy or the play-by-play guy alluded to it right when it happened, very briefly. But they never talked about it at all afterwards. You know, and I thought, wow, who's talking to them Here in their ear? Here is something that we haven't gotten any clarity on. A lot of times that clock is not 100% like right. You know what I mean? Whereas we haven't heard anything. The NFL hasn't felt the need to make a statement about it. Uh, I feel like that delay of game is something that happens a lot where they don't ever call it. I, like, I remember when I was a kid, you know, just a dumb kid that would, like, analyze that sort of thing. Like, oh, the clock says zero. Like, call it, call it. And, like, it never would happen or whatever. But I um, think it's been explained. I mean, they, it, there is, a, like, a, a split right, second where, once it hits zero where the refs do exactly. give them the benefit of the doubt to snap it. But this was two full seconds. Yeah. No, it should have been called. Well, I, think, the, the, I think maybe – I don't know if this is what you were talking about, Jared, but this is something I thought about, and I haven't seen an explanation on it. And I just – like speaking from experience doing you know like producing football games sometimes the play clock on tv isn't the play clock on the field it's just like it's like a man controlled Hmm. clock that they then you know like edit you know put into the score bug on you know for people to see at home exactly so i don't know maybe maybe yeah maybe that one was like a second ahead of the play clock on the field. Can you, know, you explain that? Ag- Wait a minute. Hold, like hold on. So, hold on. You're telling me in today's technology, in in game production, it's not it's not totally synced to the they, field they game clock. They do a lot. Usually, I would guess that an NFL game normally would be. Um, I know for like these Friday night football games we do, it's 100. percent The you're doing it off of like the your eyeball test. Yeah. Like you're looking at the scoreboard and just going off of that. Right. Um, but no, it wouldn't sh- shock me. I mean, if all the things that were going on late in that game. Something happened where it wasn't totally 100% synced up. Or just the fact that it's never going to be 100% correct mm. compared to the game clock just because it, it can't be, really. Hmm. I mean, it's reacting off of it. Uh, but the thing that cracks me up about all the Lions where we talk, like everybody always throws out the list of all the times we've been screwed by the refs. When you lose every game, you're going to get screwed by the refs a time or two. Just kind of kind of comes with the territory. And people, and the funniest one to me is the Calvin Johnson catch. We They act like that was like the Super Bowl. Game number one of a season <laughs> where Matt Stafford was out for the year, uh, like a quarter before that. Uh, believe me, even if we were probably glad that we lost that game for draft purposes because it did not matter at all. There is a long list of, of times that, the refs have kind of screwed over the Lions. And, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, I, you know, like the Brandon Pettigrew pass interference, you know, the game against the Cowboys in the playoffs, 
Yep. Absolutely. It's one of the worst blown calls in the history of the NFL, probably. I mean, Ted, you've watched the NFL your whole life. It's probably, it has to be up there as one of the worst blown calls in the history of. 100%. No. 100%. But, but the Lions still had plenty of chances to win yep. that game. Right. So, like, while, yes, that game had, or that, that missed call had a direct effect on the outcome of that game, the Lions had plenty of chances after that to win, win that game. Just like, you know, putting the hand, putting the game in the hands of the refs. Sunday against the Ra- against the Ravens, the Lions did it to themselves. I mean, it it's just it is what it is. Well, like Goff said, it was a, definitely a gut punch. And I know Jared, you mentioned it about wink, wink, uh, tanking this team. Uh, they're not tanking intentionally, but I will say, am I as upset as I probably would have been in past years? No, this is a rebuilding year, and they, they fought them a hunt. They fought them hard. They didn't show any quit. Uh, there's some positives that you could probably get from that game. And, hell, if they go 1-16, so what? They're going to get some exactly. good draft choices and, and continue to build, right? Yeah, I mean, I that's the, something, it, something, too. I mean, yeah, hopefully they don't – I don't know. They're not, they're not going to run the table. But, yeah, hopefully they're, they're going to get a good uh, draft pick. This was a tough first three games of the season oh, yeah. for the Lions. I'm not saying that, like <laughs> – they're going to you know, end up making the playoffs necessarily, but to open up with the 49ers, who are probably going to the playoffs, and then you know Monday night at Lambeau against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and then Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who are probably also going to the playoffs. That's a tough three games to open up with, so there is that to it, too. Absolutely no. right. It would have been nice to win one of those games if you guys are actually like serious about making a playoff push with this team or something, but... No, I just it's a it's the ultimate win win we've laid it out before. Where if they win these games, like hey, it's it's kind of a nice little boost on your Sunday afternoon. If they lose them, just rolls right off the back. Doesn't even matter. Right, you're right on that. One final uh, comment. We won't we'll get off the Lions right now because enough said about them. Are you guys on board with me that uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams is pretty much must see must see? They TV? are electric. I'm like, Matt Stafford looks Matt Stafford looks sweet in those uniforms. Oh yeah, uh, he's got like a shooting sure. sleeve on now. Like he he's looking like a million bucks. And you know what? You know what bothers me the most? I mean, we we've talked about it a ton. I mean, I, after Barry Sanders, maybe after Calvin Johnson, he's he's my favorite lion ever. Is seeing him with Sean McVay, you know, the Rams head coach. They look like they're having so much damn fun. Oh yeah. And I just it just makes me think why the Lions could never hire an offensive-minded head coach for Matt Stafford. They're always hiring Patricia, Jim Schwartz, and, you know, like all these dudes. I guess, you know, Caldwell is more offensive-minded, but, you know, Caldwell, not not the most, like – No. Um, he's not know, rewriting the wheel. Head coach. <laughs> you know, he's kind of more mild-mannered. But, you know, like when I see McVay and Stafford just out there, like – punching each other, you know, hyping each other up, shoulder bumps, and just, like, yelling at each other. I'm just like, and the Lions wasted this dude for the first 10 years yep. of his career. Like, what? This what is, a bunch that of was what I, must see TV. A ton of fun. I hope they stay healthy all year. Yeah. I hope, you know, nothing stupid happens and they're healthy going into the playoffs because it's a fun team to watch. No, it's going to be awesome to watch Stafford. One against the Lions later this year. That's going to be a really cool game. Uh, no matter what happens in that game, it's going to be a great result. But no, no, it's funny that the the if you remember the Patricia years before Patricia was hired, this is what we were saying is that we need to get somebody, get you know, some, a college coach, somebody with some like splash, not right, not the old 
old assistant route that we've been going for the last 50 years. Uh, and we kind of did the same exact thing with Campbell, honestly, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. Ted, you were in the, you were uh, Patricia Stan when he was hired, so it's I, I don't I don't quite remember that, but I, I I might have said, hey, let's give the guy a chance, but it didn't take long to realize no. he was not going to be so the answer. What would you guys rate Campbell so far? I mean, here's the good news. We haven't had a New York Jets Monday Night Football coming out party like Patricia had in his first game where it just was literally like basically you saw he was a totally bad coach right from Jump Street. Yeah. We haven't really had that with Campbell yet. I don't know. I just feel like as, as these losses keep stacking, it's like it's slowly, slowly his like, you know, his <laughs> attitude is like we're going to bite kneecaps off. If I'm a player on that team, I'm just telling this guy like, dude, shut up after a while. When you're yeah. losing every game, I mean, I just, I just don't know how that wouldn't wear on you. I have wondered if his whole, I don't want to call it a shtick, I think he's pretty genuine, I think that's who he is, but if it will wear thin on people if they start off 0-7, yeah. 1-9 or something like that. But the one thing, as you were like saying all that, I was thinking, he is a player's coach. He's got, you, Ted, you right. talked about it last week, he's got a bunch of former players on his staff, Yep. and all you ever hear are that players love playing for this dude. I mean, he's, he's a player's coach. People love playing for him. And that's, I guess that's the thing, like, my answer to your question. You can see that. Like, whereas with Patricia, yeah. when things started going bad, it looked like the team was just like, get this guy out of here. We want nothing to do with Patricia. Whereas Campbell, you know, maybe if things, you know, this year is going to be a struggle, I, I feel like the players are going to still, like, play for him. You know, right. like, that, that's kind of, I guess, my hope, I guess. That seems to be what I am watching out there as well. And I think the, the rah-rah, bite-your-kneecap stuff, that's going to disappear. I think we're going to see Campbell, you know, keep this team together. At least this is what I'm hoping that they fight throughout the whole regular season. Uh, one thing I have noticed, he's not afraid if somebody isn't doing their job, putting somebody else in there, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's what you really got to do because when you're a young team and you're a rebuilding team, you got to find guys that are going to play for you or you're not going to last very long yourself. Yeah. So my, my my last question, if we're about to kind of uh, yeah. move on, yep. I, I do want to ask you guys real quick. So I, we're only three games in, but and we've talked about it before, like with Jared Goff, is he kind of just like a bridge quarterback or whatever? But like I think we're seeing why Sean McVay was perfectly fine moving on from him. <laughs> I mean, he, he's a serviceable quarterback, but like, are, like where are you guys at kind of with that? Yeah, I know just three games in, but are you are we keeping Goff for a couple of years, or like have you seen enough out of him? Uh, you want to draft Jared? I better know your answer. Like, do you want to draft draft a quarterback next year? Here's the thing, man. A lot of these quarterbacks that are supposed to be at the top of the board, they have kind of unimpressed at the start. I mean, Spencer Rattler, Spencer number Rattler. one, supposed to be the number one draft pick. The guy looks horrendous in Big Twelve going against Big Twelve defenses. So if there's not like a clear cut, like let's say we have the number one pick, if there's not a clear cut stud quarterback waiting for us in the wings there. I think you have to go like pass rusher. Uh, I don't think Jared Goff is horrible, but it's it's just he's he's serviceable. And this team is a long ways away from you know being the being a playoff contender. So if, if he's our you know interim quarterback for one to two years, that's fine with me. But I think for sure two years is the limit with this guy. Yeah, I'm looking at two years. If they don't draft a quarterback next year, which I don't think they should, I 100% agree they should go after a, a pass rusher or at least somebody defensively in the first, probably first two picks. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'd say Goff is, is definitely a top 32 quarterback. He's a yeah. starter in the NFL. So, you know, if you take a rookie, then you're just – you're. You're just saying, okay, this is going to be your team. Well, you better be right on that because I think Goff can, can – 
at least he can manage that position for the next couple of years. Then if they draft a guy, maybe not next year, or maybe get a mid-round quarterback that might be a surprise, you know, that he can take under his wing. I, I, yeah, I guess I, I'm never going to be mad about taking a quarterback, especially when you're the Lions. And honestly, let, let, let's be real. We need that sort of guy to really turn this thing yeah. around. So I'm never going to be mad at them for taking quarterback. It's just so far from what I've seen on the draft board is none of these quarterbacks look that great to me. Yeah, I agree with you there. One final comment about uh, Stafford. I've seen some people out there going, oh, you can't root for Stafford because that just means we're not going to get as high a draft choice from the Rams. Come on, grow up. Seriously. They're, it's going to be what, right. uh, 30th or 29th pick? Big like deal. If it's right. a big deal. Yeah, I, no, I can't believe I, I saw a bunch of people saying that too, and I get what they're saying. But right. Like, man, I'm going to root for the guy. <laughs> I hope they win the Super Bowl. I do too. Yeah. It'd be like uh, Justin Verlander winning the World Series. You know, it's kind of very similar oh. scenario. Exactly. So go Stafford, best quarterback in Lions history. Hashtag since '57. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I it's think all we. The ref fault, but, but it's all the refs' fault. Let's remember that. Yeah. Oh, can't let it go. He can't, he's, he can't win a Super Bowl, dude. It's it makes you almost sad. At least this is me. Why I'm looking at this is, man, we really held this guy back. He is. He might go for 50 touchdowns this year. Absolutely. Like he is. They are lighting it up, uh, and it's. It's like maybe the most dynamic offense in, in the entire NFL. And it's just scary to think that this is the same guy who Patricia had his paws all over the last three years. I know. Hey, by the way, where, where'd that number 10 come from for the Rams? Cup? Cup? Cooper Cup? Cup? Oh, yeah. he's been a stud for the last three, four years. I mean, he was like, uh, I think he went to maybe not a Mac school, but okay. a group of five school and just kind of burst onto the scene ever since he's been drafted, really. That dude can play ball, he man. Can. Yeah, I like his. I like the way he plays. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Well, next up on the pod, uh, a member of one of our favorite bands, Shy Town, their drummer, Casey Smith. And Casey, it's been a while since we chatted about the boys in the band, but uh, you got a big show coming up uh, Saturday night over at Frankenmuth, right? Yeah, we have a huge show we're playing at Big Country Fest out at Frankenmuth, which is a pretty a pretty big Michigan festival um, that we're super excited to be headlining. We've been scheduled for it for over a year, but obviously COVID mm-hmm. uh, kind of put an end to it last year. and. We're super excited to get back on it uh, this year. Yeah, I like the little bullet points that they put out in their press release. Chi-Town. Chi-Town plays today's current, hard-hitting, modern country music. The band consists of seasoned musicians from throughout the mid-Michigan area. Now that's some high praise, huh? <laughs> I think that's been our bio for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you guys are basically headlining this big country fest. Uh, what is? Do you know much about like the actual event, where it's going to be in Frankenmuth, and maybe that sort of stuff, what all is going to be going on? Yeah, so it's a big two-day event. It's uh, Friday the 1st and Saturday the 2nd. Um, and basically they just turn uh, the Harvey Kern Pavilion, which is pretty much right downtown Frankenmuth, mm-hmm. they just turn it into like a country mecca. So they have like a mechanical bull, they have cornhole, they have a bunch of those classic yard games, yep. they have uh, beer tents, food trucks, obviously live music going on, and basically it's just a place for people to come hang out, have fun, and kind of have one last taste of, of an outdoor festival right. before you know winter takes over. 
so yeah, we're playing Saturday. We're headlining. We're the last band that that gets to go on and take the stage, and we are super fired up for it. No, that that sounds like an awesome event, especially a two day event with everything that you described. Painting the picture there sounds really cool. I've got a question for you. Do you prefer playing maybe just like you personally, not necessarily the whole band, playing a festival like that, or would you rather have you know a more intimate, you know, like say you guys were at Rivals? playing you know in front of a crowd at 30 or 40 or something what's kind of what's your preference pretty much i think all of us would say we just love playing wherever it is but for me personally i do enjoy the outdoor festivals more we played at bay city for the fourth of july fireworks we played out at the uh the big park out there winona park and that was a blast and it's just i think people have a little more fun when they can kind of move around more listen to the music and not feel like you know, they're just kind of stuck at a table because mm-hmm. not going to lie, it can be kind of awkward when you're playing in front of, you know, 15 people and they feel like they have to, you know, stare at you the whole time when really we're just <laughs> up there to entertain. You know, we right. don't we don't really need people, you know, staring at us the whole time, you know, come and go as you please. And it's, it's kind of a lot easier to do that at a big festival like that. Yeah, I got to I, I got to think it'll be a little bit similar to the last time you played at Frankenmuth earlier this summer, but on a bigger you know, bigger stage. Uh, one th- one comment I want to make, you know, is October is always Oktoberfest, and usually it's uh, German beers and polka music. But I like the idea of this country fest in October, you know, listening to great country music, being outdoors, like you said, early October. Hopefully, knock on wood, the weather should be great. And uh, I know that the uh, there's so many activities you have there, and the price is really really reasonable i think it's seven bucks to get in and you can take part in all the things going on and five and under are free so i mean it's it's a pretty cheap date if anybody out there wants to go see some great country music head on up to frankamuth this weekend yeah it's 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 a really it's gonna be a really cool place because i mean you think too you're you're right downtown frankamuth with all those cool shops and stuff and yep. you know bars and stuff down there so you could you could totally make a day of it i do know the doors open at five for the actual festival so you get down there at 2 o'clock, you bar hop a little bit, get something to eat, go to a couple shops, and then you're ready to go for Big Country Fest. So when you when you mention, mention shops, though, you mean go to Bronner's and then go to the Country Festival, right? <laughs> get some Zenders chicken, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Zender, I already have a plan to go get some Zenders after our sound check. Wow. I, that, kudos to you for playing with that sitting in your stomach. I don't think I could do it. Um, <laughs> but uh, when you guys are heading into like a big e- event like this, do you guys kind of – pull out all the stops, maybe some new songs, like some different type of music, or is it kind of just what's tried and true is what you guys roll with for every show? Well, we always, you know, want to make sure we're not just playing the same songs every time. We we kind of have a goal where if somebody sees us a couple times, they never want to, we never want them to see the same show. Yeah. Because, you know, what people do love hearing those, uh, you know, classic country songs and the radio country songs that everybody knows, we do want to change it up and, you know, mix new songs into our set so for this show specifically we knew you know we really wanted to make it big make it fun and make it memorable so we got some new songs in the lineup and we're we're doing something pretty cool and pretty unique in the middle of our set that um i think is going to surprise a lot of people and Hmm. it's going to kind of put a good cap on the end of the night because it's something that we've never tried before i know the band has never tried before and we we're really excited for people to hear this kind of little surprise we got planned Wow. Well, I, that's awesome. It sounds like it's going to be a good night, and you know we'll be there. One final question from me. I know we had the boys on the ba- of the band on uh, a while ago here on the podcast, but again, uh, give a little thumbnail sketch about each guy and what they bring to the table. Yeah, so we, well, the 
Chi-Town has been a band for almost five years, maybe maybe even over five years. I'm the newest member. I'm the new guy who came in um, almost about a year ago this time, uh, last October. Their, their drummer had left. Um, he had been playing for a long time, and he just said, I'm kind of ready to just hang it up. So I joined, and it's been awesome ever since. We have uh, Troy Napier on the bass and lead vocals. He's been around the Shiawassee music scene like forever. People say all the time, oh, I know Troy in your band, and that's kind of I think it's kind of pretty normal for people to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Glenn Nation, who plays rhythm guitar and also is the lead singer. For those of you who don't know, and I know you guys know, we have three lead singers, which makes our band really unique. Um, so Glenn's on rhythm guitar, and he put, he's uh, our lead vocalist as well. Jeff Vandemark plays keyboards, harmonica, um, and he's a lead vocalist as well. Um, and then Brett Whisker is our lead guitar player, and he is absolutely phenomenal at the guitar and it's really cool because all five of us have zero ego when it comes to the band so we never feel like we're getting you know kind of shut out Mm -hmm. or if we suggest something and the other guys don't like it we seriously just move right on and and we keep chugging along we don't really get upset about you know we didn't pick this song that i wanted or oh we're not doing this that i wanted we truly are just there to have fun and play music that people will like all right, uh, Casey, we're looking forward to seeing you there on Saturday night. The The festival runs Friday and Saturday. And uh, as you know, Chi-Town's the official band of Three Point yep. Podcast. So anytime we can support you guys, you know we will. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. Tell the boys we said hi and uh, have some fun there Saturday night, man. It's going to be a blast. It is going to be an absolute blast. And we appreciate you guys supporting us. And um, we will see you guys out there on Saturday yep. night. Yep, right. see you there. See you, Case. Bye-bye. All right, well, I think we made it through another podcast, boys. Let's just call it a wrap. Make sure you follow us at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, JJ's Excavating and Tree Service, Kendall Drugs in Corona, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. I'll be live on Z92.5 this coming Friday, October 1st, for the Castle Game of the Week, Lake Fenton at Owasso. And by the way, let's say thanks to Chi-Town's Casey Smith for hopping on. Go on out and see the boys this Saturday night, October 2nd at Frank Amoose Big Country Fest. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying until next time, so long everybody. Be safe out there and don't get in any car brawls. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan Chapter, serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease, and every 90 minutes, someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.